there. This is Jeff from The Left Show. I want to talk to you about saving the forest. Our friend Forrest Shaw was given a terminal cancer diagnosis at the end of last year. Medical costs and household bills are nearing critical levels, and at this point, the reality of losing their house is a looming concern. That's why we're having a Save the Forest benefit concert. We're trying to raise money to help pay down that medical debt, keep the Shaws in their house, and keep the children healthy and fed. Throughout the years, Forrest has been there for so many of us, it feels like it's just time to return the favor. Join us, won't you? This show's got an amazing lineup. Mary Tebbs, Molten Blue, LPX, Dave Hahn with Fred Hebling, and Magna Vega, including Melissa Merlot, Taylor Hunsaker, Crystal Starr, Rebecca Frost, and the guest of honor, Mr. Forrest Shaw. It's March 20th at Bar Deluxe, downtown Salt Lake City, Utah. To purchase tickets, please visit podcastphil.com. Don't let me down. Yeah, so if you're listening to this show today, as in like the day after we upload it. If you're listening to it on Thursday. Yeah. Everybody's listening to it today. Yeah, today. If you're listening to it today, (laughs) the the show's tomorrow. Unless you didn't listen to it today and you waited too long. And yeah, if you waited waited until the day after today, then you probably missed the show. But if you, if this will be lo- uploaded tonight, if you're listening to it on Thursday, we wanted we wanted to start the show out. What with are that. we even doing right now? Making know. it confusing. <laughs> Godless revolution. Yes. Hi everybody. So we wanted to play that at the very beginning of the show because you have a very limited time to go and get your tickets or to make a donation to the Save the Forest uh, effort. So go out and do it right now before you forget. We wanted to do it at the beginning of the show so you'd get off your ass and go and do it. But Welcome to the Godless Revolution, everybody. Hi. I'm Ryan Duffy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Dan. And Matt Mitchell's here, too. And we also got some special guests this week. Yay! I like these two two people very much. Yeah, we've got two wonderful people tonight. I'm excited about this one. I'm confused. Um, Which day are we here? Is it today or tomorrow? I think it was yesterday. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Well, unless <laughs> unless we're talking about tomorrow, then uh-huh. it would be two days ago. Yeah. Steve Kuno and Joanne <laughs> Hanks, everybody. Hello. <laughs> Author of? It's not about the sex, my ass. Right. Nice. Coming out of a polygamy cult. I don't know if it, I've ever we'll, actually we'll heard, you, heard you say the title before. I was, one, I was kind of wondering what inflections you, you would again? put on. Yeah. It's not about the sex, my ass. <laughs> it's a good title, I think. Might as yeah. well give them the subtitle, too. Confessions of an ex-Mormon, ex-polygamist, ex-wife. I'm all three. Yeah. Nice. This is going to be awesome, I think. Yes. Yeah, so uh, those of you who have seen uh, videos flying around the internet lately of David Silverman... Uh, there was a there was a video uploaded to Live Link or Live Leak yeah. mm-hmm. that has been circulating lately. That was actually the one I was talking to you about like a show or two ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I, and I oh, didn't okay. know you were in the background of it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I didn't know I didn't even know it was out there. Somebody else tagged me in and when oh, it was Alan Carter okay. tagged me and said, Hey, you're in this video. And so then I watched it and noticed that Joanne is also in the video. Luckily I was sitting next to Dave on the stage. That was a really interesting discussion. It was an enraging discussion for me on so many different levels. Uh, hearing 
th- this was a th- you, you sat on a panel with David Silverman and a couple professors from BYU. Yeah. Yeah, from Brigham U- from Brigham Young University. Um and it was it was I don't even remember what the goal of the panel was. It was supposed to dispel myths yeah. from both sides. About Mormons and about dispel atheists. Dispel Mormon and- myths, dispel atheist myths. But I had full intentions of just promoting my book. <laughs> and, of course, David was there to uh, you know, promote atheism. And I don't know what the two professors were there for. Lying. Comic relief and lying, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or at but, least but not, not being completely debate. truthful. Well, and the yeah. moderator did not moderate. He took a side. Yes, yeah. he did. He oh, was yeah. on their side. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah it, it, the, the wrong side. The, the thing that bothered me most about that conversation was there were all, of course, there were several different things that bothered me. The thing that bothered me the most was when the one BYU uh, professor said that, you know, no real Mormon ostracizes mm, yeah, family yeah. members if they leave the church. Mm-hmm. That infuriated me. Like, I know people who serve as a bishop or a stake president or in an Area 70, I mean, who, you know, someone in their family leaves the faith and they are completely ostracized. You can't tell me that those people aren't the real Mormons. You can't tell me that a sitting bishop or stake president or or somebody who's in an Area 70 is not a real Mormon. That really pissed me off. There's no such thing as a real Mormon. <laughs> yeah, how Everybody's how does so one different. Well, yeah, it's the it's the no true Scotsman fallacy. Yeah. Right? How do you who who's to determine who is a real Mormon or a real anything, but it just really bothered me that, you know, the implication was that it, that any any good Mormon would never do such a thing. Right. And it happens all the goddamn time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I think it's even more prominent in other I don't know, consider Mormons Christians. I mean, I think Sort of, but um, with with other Christian sects, I think it's even more evident the no true Scotsman fallacy because there's there are so many different. So basically, it's just every individual is their own sort of Christian. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you touched on it in your book, and I've heard it from other people that when they've left a polygamous group and they've tried to go and join the mainstream Mormon religion, and they find out they were from a polygamous group, they're then ostracized again. It's like, oh, you you were a part you of were, that group. You were part oh. of the crazies. Well, we don't want to associate with you. That never even crossed my mind to even try to go back <laughs> yeah. to the mother church, <laughs> the mother I've, cult. I've, I've heard of, well, because uh, there's an all red that I talked to. I uh, actually did a little video with him. And he said, yeah, when they, when they left the church, and uh, I talked to one of Warren Jeff's nephews, and they even said the same wow. thing, that when he was a kid and he left the church, he, uh, they knew his name from the Jeff's name. It was, no, you. Right. We don't want anything to do with you. You came from that polygamous group? Uh-uh. We don't want you in this church. We don't so, want to do, have anything to do with you. They're unforgiven forever. So let's start at the beginning then. <laughs> You're from Orem? In the beginning, there was the void. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time. <laughs> My father was in the Air Force, so I was lucky enough to travel around the country, live in different states growing up. Mm-hmm. I didn't settle in Orem until I was in um, sixth grade. Okay. So most of my childhood was out in the real world, mm-hmm. which was very nice as I look back on it. Yeah. And you were raised mainstream Mormon? Yes. Okay. Yes. My mother converted at nine years old. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and my dad, uh, you know, for several generations was a Mormon 
from, I guess my ancestors are from Ireland, Scotland. Probably weren't Mormons then when they were in Ireland. No, (laughs) they were probably converted and then they had to come to Utah. Darn it. Are you a ginger? Uh, Well, we talked pre-show. Am I a ginger? Yeah. Do you have red hair? I'm I'm colorblind, but I... You're kidding. No, I'm not. So I... I, (laughs) You can't tell... What color your own beard is? Well, people tell me my beard is red, so... <laughs> That's why he didn't know his dog had a pink collar. Yes. His male dog. Yes. Poor Luke. <laughs> uh, I do, yes, I do come from a line of gingers. Yeah. My brother and sister are gingers. Yeah. See, and, My son is a ginger. Yeah, well, a lot of Tracy's family... Well, I don't know about a lot, but members of Tracy's family have red hair. You know, her mom... Has has sort of gingery hair. Her brother is like has this like his beard is awesome. You know, people people say I've got a nice beard. His is really really nice. Like it's this beautiful deep red color that that I am very envious of. And he grows a great thick beard. But her other brother, who I always just figured had red hair, also because he looks like a redhead to me. I I don't know. I can't explain it. You know, it's hard for somebody who. Has never really dealt with color blindness. Seen the full range of the color, the blue eyes and the uh, eyebrows mm-hmm. that don't exist, <laughs> yeah. and the eyelashes that you can't tell are there. Oh, Tracy's sister looks like a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Does she listen to this? She, I doubt it. <laughs> and she would just giggle anyway. She's really funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she has like white hair, and unless she has makeup on, she has no eyebrows. So it's it's the it's the super pale or red mm-hmm. in her family. So Scott's Irish. Your family gets ends up in Utah. You're settled in Orem. So you're going through junior high high school in Orem, going to church. Yeah, and I was a, a, a normal um Utah. normal gentile probably that went to a tiny Mormon branch on Sundays. When I was growing up. So we lived on Air Force bases, which are usually out in the middle of nowhere. And mm-hmm. uh, when I was in elementary school, we lived in Maine for a few years. And there were no kids my age that were Mormons. So uh, right. Mormonism was a Sunday thing, pretty much. Except for the missionaries that came in and camped at our house, practically. Uh, because yeah. I, I had an older sister. Uh. <laughs> so they liked that. <laughs> they're um, not supposed to but nobody at school you know talked about religion uh no one was a mormon so it was a nice normal childhood mm-hmm. and then as soon as i moved to utah right in the middle of orem which Complete is 180 oh it was horrible <laughs> i missed that <laughs> so <laughs> we, we. We got notes being passed around. So, <laughs> so as you're, as if we were in Maine, they were really desperate. <laughs> so, as you're getting closer then to graduating high school and trying to think about maybe your life, your future, um, what's well back in my generation, which uh, was the uh, oh my gosh, I graduated from high school in '78, so. Uh, this was before the the Mormon girls were taught that it was okay to have a career. Sure, oh, okay. sure. 
and and they were just they didn't barely really allowing blacks need to go on a mission. And it was starting to be a bit of a pressure to go on a mission, mm-hmm. but mostly it was just to, um, you know, get married, and start having kids, wait for the returning missionaries. Yeah, so that's that's what I wanted. I I finished. Uh, Getting my degree at BYU only because I couldn't find a husband. I see. <laughs> and what was your degree? My degree was in interior design because yep. that would help me be the best housewife I oh, could be. And I imagine at some point, it, which we'll get to, it did help. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how did you... I stayed at home for 20 years. It was great. So what, what led you to Manti? From, um, from high school to, or from BYU to Manti? Uh, we were living in Orem. So, so I got married, yeah. had three kids within four years. Um, okay, so you're, wow. you're doing the Mormon life. Right. And living in Orem. And um, it was the uh, political climate that was kind of weird one year with uh, Bo Greitz. Anybody remembers mm-hmm. him? Name sounds familiar. He uh, he was going to run for president. Uh, he was a Jack Mormon, I believe, oh, okay. and I think he he came to fame because he was uh, caught up in that. Um, do you remember when they the FBI cornered this family in a? cabin up in Idaho and they oh, shot the woman yeah, while she I know. was holding her baby. Uh, and, oh, I, I know what you're talking that? about. I can't remember the name of the group. Yeah, it was, he was uh, selling automatic weapons or sought-off shotguns yeah, to an FBI agent. Yeah, it was a survivalist. And, and, and so uh, Bo Greitz um, went up there and, and uh, tried to be the, the go-between. Okay. Hmm. So... Um, my husband was interested in that. He was a chiropractor, and they'd have meetings once a month, <laughs> and they'd end up talking about uh, political things, and they'd end up talking about uh, unusual religious topics because they consider themselves mavericks. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, they started talking about last day's events. Oh, And also at the same time, there was a lot of, Weird stuff out there if you look for it. And uh, there was a man, I think he was from Heber, I believe, and had made a set of videos where yep. he predicted the date the world would come to an end, that Christ would return. So we really got into that. In fact, when I was at uh, BYU in my religion classes, uh, one of the teachers there at the time spent a lot of time talking about the millennium and uh, I think he even got reprimanded. I'm not sure he got fired because he also talked about how you need to uh, make sure you pray for at least 15 minutes so you can really develop this strong relationship. Mm. <laughs> this was while you were at BYU? Yes, this is a BYU class, uh. you know, one of those big, huge rooms, those mm. big theater rooms. So there's hundreds of kids being brainwashed and, so, do you remember the the date that that guy had in that videos for the end times coming? Um, I know it was a while ago, but I just think it's funny. <laughs> well, let's see. This would have been around eighty two or eighty three. Okay, eighty two when the videos came out. I don't think and Ryan don't was even that, born yet. I was, I was I was born in eighty four. <laughs> <laughs> 
So lucky he was wrong, or you wouldn't even exist. I, I know. But I, I don't know that he ex- he picked an actual date, but he narrowed it down and, okay. and showed all these nifty from his ways. mathematic equations from the Bible, like yeah, every other yeah, and <laughs> and prophesier has done. Yeah, I haven't thought about this in a long time, so I don't remember too much. But uh, yeah, that's what got us going. And so my husband started uh, talking to his chiropractor friends, and and some of them were into. Um, survivalist things like getting a lot of food storage and uh preparing for the end which is which is a typical going to happen a chiropractor believing in kooky things that seems (laughs) weird (laughs) like homeopathy and no immunizations and i'm really digging a hole here (laughs) so so he got interested in this whole kind of fringe sort of wacky right right religious ideas i went along with him um so happened my parents lived in the neighbor, in the same ward, mm-hmm. <laughs> ward. As, as Steve likes to say. <laughs> so we lived just a couple of blocks away, and uh, they got a little concerned about what we were talking about. Sure. And so I got a little embarrassed and worried about what they thought, and so I <clears throat> said to my husband, maybe we shouldn't get into this stuff. So he took his whole box of books and the videos and threw them away. Hmm. And I think within a month, he started buying more of those kinds of books again. (laughs) And what age were you at the time? Well, this is, uh, let's see, I was, I'd had my third child. So I was 31. Yeah, 31, 32, right around there. So we were, you know, fairly newly married, had a little family. And... Probably getting a little bored with living in Orem, you know. We'd done everything the church had asked us to do, got married in the temple and had a family, and he was in the elders' quorum and presidency. And so he was the kind of guy that just liked to have some rush always going on, something interesting to chase after. So this kind of... I don't know if it's correct to characterize it as like a mini obsession with doomsday things yeah, or whatever yeah. and he had. Um, I'm, it, I'm assuming, obviously, it must have escalated at some to some point where he felt it was necessary to uproot and move you guys to. That was Jim Harmston that, that caused that. Okay, and we'll talk about Jim in a little bit. <laughs> so we started um, finding other people. Who, well, first it started out other chiropractors. <laughs> <laughs> Again, chiropractors thinking something wacky, that just seems so out of character. <laughs> and so uh, we went to some friend's house and listened to another guy talk. You know, there was a, a small group of people, and he talked about the end days and, and what would be happening, what requirements had to go down before Christ would return. And that was the whole big thing for me, because I'd heard this in seminary growing up in Orem, and I'd heard this at BYU, how exciting the millennium was going to be. When you say, hey, was this your husband, or was this Jim? Or was it just somebody else in the group that that was talking about that? Uh, They brought in a special speaker. I can't remember his uh, name. Was he almost a doctor, too? No. (laughs) No, No, he was was almost a... uh, I think he considered himself a prophet. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. One of those, you know, out in the 
country kind of prophets. Okay. Did he have a tent? No. Uh, he was a maverick prophet. But he, he did <laughs> Those come tent from- ones are crazy, though. <laughs> Those tent ones. Those ones that travel with the tents, and they set them up, and they got the snakes going on and stuff. Those are some crazy oh, prophets. Oh, the, the Pentecostals? <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the other prophets. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So this guy started talking about uh, end days, and, you know, you were going to have to have your own food. The economy was going to collapse. Uh, you know, make sure you have a, a big hole in your backyard so you can uh, have an outhouse. And, oh, okay. So will God? I mean, God. God won't be providing these things for his for his worthy no, followers. No, no, no. There was going to be a few years where we had to really. You know, it'll be a, a really scrappy not seventy-two time. hours, maybe seventy-two months or something. Dude, God couldn't even tell the difference between Egyptians and his and the Jews. Without lamb's blood, so <laughs> we're having a technical issue. So Dan totally missed that. I think uh, it's Steve's phone. Uh, Did I buzz? No, a lot of times when you're getting like emails and stuff, for some reason electrical equipment yeah, knows the, it's coming. The iPhones don't seem to be shielded very okay. well. But I'll turn it off. Oh no! Well, uh, if it wasn't you, don't. Worry I about think it. I think it's just when it lays close to the cord. For some reason, I think the iPhones don't seem very sh- shielded very well, and they and it's like as it tries to pick up the. Hmm. Phone I know when my phone's not wanted. Signal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think the last time we had that problem was when Amanda was here, right? Yeah. With her iPhone sitting in the same spot. So, so it may not be an iPhone thing, but I'm 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 looking at a correlative cause here. It, it may not be our or a correlative. Maybe our our, issue. our mic cords aren't well insulated. That could be it, also. So yeah. So Jim was charismatic. Passionate, uh, very. But before Jim, mm-hmm. we met a lot of people that um, felt these same things. So we had actually, after listening to this one guy talk, who was from San Pete County, he said mm. San Pete County is the safe place. Oh, I see. So, ooh, <laughs> San Pete. Um, and by the way, I'm a realtor development. Guy yeah, there, yeah, so. yeah. Jim was a, a real estate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, San Pete was the chosen place, and so we went ahead and bought a little house down in. Um, let's see, it goes Fairview. There's so many little towns. Ephraim. Mount what's Road. between Fairview and Ephraim? Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, bought a little house in Mount Pleasant and fixed it up. I don't, well, I, don't, I, don't, so I don't think nice. you can get anything but a little house in Mount Pleasant. That's true. <laughs> it was on half an acre so we could grow our own food. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to tough out the hard times on this little, uh, at this little house. So then we heard about, um, well, everybody in the newspaper, there, there were newspapers back then. <laughs> like actual things that were printed yeah, on yeah. real paper and they would deliver them to your That's home. That's amazing. There was no internet. <laughs> right. Or, or if there was, it was, you know. In its infancy and right. even if it word existed, most people it, didn't have the, the computers. Yeah, certainly yeah. not in Mount Pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there were so many people in Utah County and in Salt Lake that were believing in these end times and getting all into Bogrites and survivalist things that one of the regional representatives uh, put out a, an article in the paper and he listed about 30 things 
that said, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. They're wrong. You're on the high road to apostasy, so you better stop. Mm. And this, so was one of course, of the, this was one of the leaders in the LDS church? Right. A, a mainstream LDS regional church. Regional representative. Yeah. And so, of course, we were guilty of several of the things on the list already, so why not just... In for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah. Go the rest of the way. <laughs> um, so that uh, got us going to um, meeting with uh, groups of people who would get together and discuss this. We heard about Jim Harmston. He actually made the, the TV news, mm. uh, which is just bizarre to think that they would be tattling on someone for religious reasons on the television, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. only in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we went down to one of his. Oh, he called it a. Uh, oh, help me, Steve. I don't remember. A re- I was going to say revival. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I can think. Of. <laughs> they were private lessons. Yeah, they were weekend lessons. His wife would cook nice meals for us. There were three or four couples at a time, and we'd go into his office, and he had a whiteboard, and over the weekend he discussed the whole. Plan of salvation and God and everything from the beginning to the end. Hmm. And it fit along with Mormonism. Mm-hmm. And it sounded very exciting and very believable. And well, these are already ideals that you and a group of people already kind of yep. have yeah, a little bit. So we it's, just, already... it's just that pushing going, this guy is right. well, he's yeah. one I mean, of us. I and... mean, your, your entire life being raised in the LES church kind of prepared you for all yep. of this stuff and, and, and made it that much more believable and acceptable once you started hearing this kind of stuff, right? I mean, that's, that's part of the, mm-hmm. the core tenets of the, of the LDS church is, I mean, it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are in the latter days. I can remember uh, when my uncle passed away, one of my aunts, you know, obtained great solace in the fact that my uncle, that she'll see my uncle again before she dies right. because, you know, According to her beliefs and, and a lot of the things that she's been told from other church leaders is that this will happen within her lifetime. I'm sure, you know, Every the other past person. four generations of Mormons have thought the same yeah. thing. But, Joseph yeah. Smith yeah. said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they've, they've been saying that's even Jesus since, yeah. since he was around. Yeah, Jesus said if, he'd be if back. he was around. Yeah, he said he would be back in the time of his, before his followers yeah. died. So. Yeah. It's a good way for them to make money. Sure is that. <laughs> well, and, and to keep everybody on their toes and afraid yeah. and... I mean, you you have to be super believing and 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 very righteous and and a very active member of the church in order to obtain all of these mm-hmm. all of these rewards. And so, if you're not, then then there's hell to pay, literally. So let's get to the good stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> models. They were called the models because he he drew everything on a whiteboard instead of just preaching to us. He. Uh-huh. Drew everything out graphically, so it was uh, very easy to understand, very fascinating, everything fit together. One of the main things that had to happen before Christ came back was that um, men would have to live plural marriage. They'd have to start proving themselves uh, by taking on several wives. And that's not... That's not- so far outside of mainstream Mormon doctrine. Right. I mean, they've, they've sort of backed away well, from that temporally, but it's still a spiritual doctrine, even in mainstream Mor- right. Mormonism. So in my book, you can read the whole section 132, which explains 
how upset all the men were about this ruling. Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> and and what's interesting is it's still there. It hasn't been taken out of the Mormon scriptures. Although there is the, uh, what's it called, the manifesto that says you you shouldn't believe this anymore for now. Oh, yeah. Until the Lord comes back and says game on. It so doesn't it, say you shouldn't believe it, but you shouldn't oh, do it for right, now. Right, yeah. right. Stop, stop yeah. doing it. So we started doing it before they told us we could. And this is section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants, Covenants. Mm -hmm. which is one of the books, uh, one of the... Shit, I can't think of canonized. It. Scriptures. Yeah, one of yeah one of the canonized scriptures within the within the LDS Church. You've right. got the along with the Book of Mormon. Yeah, they mm -hmm. uh, they they use the King James version of the Holy Bible, and they've got the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, and the I'm drawing a blank. I never grew up around Mormonism, so I don't know what they all are. That's You're missing one, right? Which ones did you name? I named the the Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, Doctrine and Covenants, and the and the Bible. And the Bible. Are you thinking you of all. Are you oh, thinking of the, are you thinking of the Book of Abraham, which is in the Pearl of Great Price? Oh, sorry. Yeah, my math is off. Oh, there's four. Yeah, and you were even counting on your fingers. Well, you get much past three, and it's <laughs> well, I started with I started with my thumb, and so that really threw me <laughs> <Okay>. off. <laughs> so he's got this whole whiteboard going about pol uh, polygamy, survivalist. I'm assuming isolationism as well. Um, well, you have to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Okay, right. So you're, unspotted, like, and you had to be, uh, as in, like, hidden away, unspotted. Right. Pure. Pure. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the the polygamists in Colorado City. All the girls have to remain sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember I'm, to stay sweet. <laughs> <laughs> no, for Warren people Jeff that have never heard of it or followed this. The Stepford polygamists. <laughs> Could you explain what remain sweet means? Because I know a lot of people. So I, when I, first time uh, I ever heard this, I didn't know. Well, I wasn't one of those polygamists, so I'm not exactly sure. Okay, because I, I thought it basically. Yeah. Joanne was part of the hip and happening yeah. polygamist. We were, yeah. Well, because I always thought <laughs> the way I understood that be, be sweet to them was always kind of like, well. You better do what the hell I tell you to do. Yeah, that's that's Probably. basically it's it. pretty much Basic, it. Going if you defy my my is, authority, I'm it's yeah. Obedience is what sweet. obedience yeah. is the number one law of heaven, right? Mm. So yeah. gotta be obedient no matter what. So okay, so he's got you guys in, interested in all of that, in, including you at this point, right? Interested. Right. I in thought the things he was when I first heard about it. I thought okay. Because of all the things I'd learned in seminary and at BYU, the millennium was the mm -hmm. coolest thing that was going to happen in my lifetime, and I wanted to be there, and I wanted to see Christ return because, um, you know, yeah. I was the elect. Because JC's the I man. I was the elect. Yeah, exactly. So then, so then what? What happens next? So uh, we go to the models. We believe everything that Jim said. Uh, my husband sold his chiropractic practice in Orem, and we bought a big old Victorian house in Manti. And he always did things very fast, so we were down there within a couple of months, moved in after having met them. Even Jim's wife uh, said to us, are you, you sure you want to do this? You sure you want to get involved? <laughs> you don't want to think about this yeah, for a little bit? Yeah, <laughs> she didn't think we'd, we'd been brainwashed enough. So how You've big was the group when you guys got involved in it? Like how many people were actually members? Uh, uh, I would say, not including children, just couples, there were probably about 
two dozen. Okay. And then, of course, you know, lots of kids. Oh, yeah. Everybody had lots of kids. Um, well, which, which it, it makes it bigger It got bigger for a little while. Then there was a major split. Yeah. Which, remind me to tell you why. <laughs> well, it's because it's hard to contain the crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, And then it didn't really grow a lot. Then it sort of faded and faded and faded. And we left and it faded even a little more. And, but that's getting ahead of the story. <laughs> so, you, so you guys arrive in Manti. You've got a... Nobody was living polygamy at that point. We were, we were saying, everybody was saying, well, in order to keep this the way it should be, we cannot organize. We have to all be on our own, following God's revelations on our own. We don't want to make it a church because we had left a church that was so uh, domineering and oppressive. Okay. But, of course, that didn't last long because, you know, human... Um, human nature. I mean, nature, you, yeah. they, they look for leaders a lot of the time and, and, and need someone to help guide them and, and reassure them and make, you know, let them know that they're making wise decisions. And, you know, you're, they're, they're always looking for, for an, for a parent. That's, yeah. that's a big part of why God is, is part of so many people's belief system. They're, they're always looking for some outside source of validation. That's why you call him father. Yes. <laughs> So we ended up starting a church, and um, Jim just sort of floated to the top, and um, and of course he had to have a pattern that we were all familiar with. So everything was pretty much uh, uber Mormon, <laughs> <laughs> super super X Mormon, and uh, so you guys are using so we the had, books, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, Jim was was uh, unreal. You could. You could say, okay, what's in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8? And mm-hmm. he could quote it for you. Oh, wow. Mm. So, super familiar with all of the doctrine. Very, very, much more than everyone else. And so, that's why he kind of ended up the leader. Yeah. This guy knows his shit. Plus, you know, he had great stories of visions and, and things like that that had happened to him before he'd come. And so, we all just ended up following him. Well, and all of this... Like I said, like I said before, you know it. the The Mormon Church is so steeped in all of this mysticism and, and personal revelation, and that they're chosen people, and you know it offers these very specific guidelines for everything. And so, you know, it, it's really easy for people who have been practicing a faith that is that is so steeped in woo and and basically crazy shit that it's not a whole lot to to push them to believe just a little bit more crazy things, right? Exactly. Especially when it aligns with the beliefs they've held all yeah. of their lives anyway. So, you know, I, I hear criticism from from people who aren't very familiar with the LDS Church, and, and sometimes even those who are who say, well, I don't understand how somebody can be so crazy as to join a cult, or, you know, those people in Colorado City and Hildale, they're just, they're super crazy. And it's like, dude, you were raised LDS, like... High pot meat kettle, you know yeah. it's it's really not that far removed from the things that you believe and practice how how did How did they go about instituting polygamy when that came to it? How was that done? How was that a- approached? Well, it was pretty much talked about from the start okay um I'd say by the time we got there, mm, most of the people uh had been there about six months or so, and so then we got organized, and then um, 
Of course, you know, Jim would be the first one to get a revelation. Usually it came from a woman who kind of nagged him, <laughs> and then he would go make it sound all, you know, godly God and real. Exactly. <laughs> so a woman would nag him into having a revelation right. about what to do about something? Yeah, it kind of sounds like, like Joseph uh, Smith. Um, ordain women. <laughs> yeah. Or that too, yeah, I suppose it's... <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Why, why would you want to? Anyway, <laughs> so uh, uh, Jim was not the first. There was uh, a couple there who um, found a, a young mother and decided that they should live polygamy. So Jim performed a ceremony and, and they were the first. Polygamists in our group. I see. And then uh, finally, Jim was next. He found a woman that was divorced and and married her. And then you know all the other men had to keep up. Keep up. <laughs> okay, so so that became doctrine. Or it was always doctrine. Well, polygamy, okay. Polygamy was always doctrine. It was, it had to happen for Christ to return. We had to. Organize a church. We decided mm-hmm. we had to live polygamy. Um, later on, we had to act on God's behalf on yeah, this like side it. of the veil. <laughs> and um, the men went on a mission. We had a prophet Jim and twelve apostles, <laughs> and so they split up and went to different parts of the country on a mission. And Jim had taught that the priesthood is for cursing as much as it is for blessing. Uh, and so it was time to start cursing. I thought this was a rather funny part in the book. We, we have these superpowers. <laughs> Will we use them for good right. or for awesome? Right. So they went off on this two-month excursion to um, different parts of the country. Jeff, Jeff was in charge because he was the president of the quorum. Of twelve apostles, because mm. he was the missionary one. Did you have probably because he was the only there? one that had graduated from college and could write oh. and, and speak fairly well? And how did how did he receive the? I mean, how was he about the polygamy stuff? I mean, did you guys ever talk about that at home? Oh, we talked about it a lot, and and I pushed him because well, I didn't push him. He you know he wasn't going to turn it down. Right. I mean, look at the name of the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and buy it. He'd been yet. married before. He was divorced, so I wasn't, you know, marrying somebody that I felt I owned outright. You know, mm-hmm. he was used. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Aren't we all? <laughs> how, does, how do you feel now, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to uh, prove that I was worthy. So I'm like, hey, great, let's uh, find us a plural wife. Uh, Anyway, so uh, back to that, um, Jeff was kind of the head missionary, and and so he'd go uh, travel around, visit people who had shown interest, who had come to the models, gone back home. There's a man who came to the models who from New Mexico that um, had brought his eldest daughter with him, and she was very tall. And Jeff and I are, you know, he was 6'6", six, six, I'm 6 feet tall, and Amanda was 5'10", 5'11". So, 
you know, that was just kind of a... She was designed for you guys. Right, exactly. <laughs> so he went down and visited them, and um, Randy, the father, was into this kind of stuff long before we ever met him. He was mm. good and crazy already. <laughs> <laughs> and And so they ended up moving up, and they had uh, three really pretty daughters... That were all in their late teens, and so it was uh, kind of like, well, if if Jeff married the oldest daughter, who was seventeen, uh, even though he was 30, 33, um, you can get permission from the father, which we did. That's not at all creepy, and it wasn't it no, wasn't a legal no. marriage anyway. It was a spiritual marriage. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, um, so he and Amanda yeah, had this very legally awkward, statutory rape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we're spiritually married. Okay. So they had this very awkward... Well, then carry on. <laughs> ...courting uh, period, and then he bought her a ring and had the ceremony. And at the ceremony, I kneeled across the altar from Jeff next to Amanda. I was Amanda and I were on one side, Jeff was on the other, and, and Jim did his thing um, pretty much like a regular marriage ceremony wording um i don't remember too much of it i probably blocked it out <laughs> I, w- I was i was, I was, I was worried about that, that when, night yeah when you mentioned earlier that there you know it's been a while and there are some things you can't remember I, I wondered how much of that is selective you know trying to not remember a whole lot of this um, well we were there for seven years and yeah. every day something Eventful happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody eventful. had a revelation. <laughs> somebody did this. We were on the news. Uh, we had news media from all around the world come to Manti to interview us because we were such freaks. And we <laughs> thought it was because we were, you know. The ones. Yes. We've been chosen and now everybody knows it. Now, and, you can't tell me you guys were the only crazy group at that time. No. And in fact, I was going to bring that up a minute ago. There are other groups right now still out there doing these kinds of things. There were several groups just like us at the time. Once I heard about another polygamous group where the leader thought he was the reincarnated Joseph Smith, where they felt they had to live polygamy before Christ would return all the same doctrines that we were talking about. And they had printed it up in an article in the paper and I read it and I thought and I had what one if we're in the wrong group <laughs> yeah, well I had one moment of of oh my gosh this is a lie mm-hmm. you know that's too coincidental um, so I went to Jim I said what about this and he said oh Satan always gives you counterfeits they're the counterfeit we're the real ones mm-hmm. he tries to fool you mm-hmm. with counterfeits so that pacified me for a while, unfortunately. This might be a good time to talk about the schism you alluded to before. Oh, yeah. Right, well, right. I was, was going to say, because I don't know if this alludes to, uh, when you just mentioned the Joseph Smith thing, the uh, doctrine of multiple probations. Oh, that's good, too. Which do you want to hear first? <laughs> well, we're about to hear on my notes, actually. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was worried. you got to keep... We've finished the first line. <laughs> well, no, I mean, there's, I'm just saying there's so much we yeah. can, that's going to be interesting that I wanted to cover. Let's All right. let's do the schism. The schism, it uh, it came because there were several uh, men couples that had plural wives, 
and uh, one of the men decided that he didn't want to offend his first wife by going off and having sex with this new woman, with this new wife, and he didn't see any reason why it had to be private. So he came up with what he called flowers and bees. <laughs> and of course, the women were the petals of the flower, and he was the bee. You know, so. he's got to go oh, yeah. around uh, pollinating all of them. Yeah. Interesting. But actually, you know, then we got into oh, the law of Sarah, where the first wife has to uh, give her permission and be the one that actually interviews the second wife, and and pretty soon this led to um, when a couple would add a new wife. There's one in particular. And the wife was downstairs, and this is the day of the wedding, and the husband took his new plural wife upstairs to consummate the the marriage, and the first wife got all jealous. Well, she also got a revelation (laughs) that that she should join them. Hmm. So um, she went upstairs and, and said, you know, I need What's to be a happened? part of this. <laughs> what are you guys doing in here? Thou <laughs> yeah. shalt have threesomes. <laughs> so we called it three in a bed. And f- probably for several months, uh, a lot of the plural uh, couples, I see there wouldn't be a couple if they were plural. Trios. Families. <laughs> plural family <laughs> Plural, units, yeah. yeah marriages. Um, tried it out. Luckily, Jeff and Amanda and I did not. Uh, Lame. Yeah. (laughs) We talked about it a little bit, but we didn't go through with it. Um, So anyway. You did hear it. Oh, we heard all the details. But I mean, with Jeff and Amanda, too. Oh, I heard heard them having sex. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, when you live in one house, because we weren't rich enough for him to buy a house for every wife he added. Oh, right. So, uh, so were there were there some families with more than two wives? Would did it then become like four in a bed, five in a bed? I think Dan's getting a little turned on here. <laughs> uh, better watch out. I'm, I'm maybe. Um, Jim's wife made that point. She said, "How could this work if you have as many wives as say Brigham Young had had?" Oh, good lord! That's You'd a need a bed. giant goddamn bed. <laughs> Just pad the whole house. Yeah, you know, and they were, and and the one family that was doing it said, "Well, we'll just lay mattresses all across the floor from one side of the room to the other, and he can just roll across the room." Steamroller, maybe a conveyor belt. Uh. <laughs> and and Elaine said, "No, if if that were meant to be, then men would have more than one." Pecker, I think she called it. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say stinger. <laughs> the bees and the flowers. So um, there was a lot of arguing over whether that was a righteous thing to do or not. So the men had a meeting, and they prayed about it. And um, it's described very, very well in the book how the meeting went. <laughs> uh, but it ended up that uh, Jim... Jim's revelation was no, that it shouldn't, you know. That you shouldn't do the three in a bed? You shouldn't do three in a bed. Yeah. Hmm. Menage a trois was not <laughs> okay. appropriate for... How controlling was Jim's wife? 
<laughs> Very. Mm-hmm. I was going to say. And, and they were old ladies. I mean, they'd yeah. gross anybody out to think about <laughs> all of that going on. So, uh, and then the men had that had been successful with it and enjoyed it uh, got opposite revelation. Of course. Yeah, of course. By, by the time the meeting you heard was that over, from Jesus, because that's not what Jesus told me. Mm-hmm. By the time the meeting was over, they had uh, pretty much split in two. One man had thrown up all over the room, which I oh. thought was a sign that maybe you know he was he possessed threw or up something. All over the room. Yeah, he got sick and. <laughs> I'm just so nervous inside, I can't contain it anymore. <laughs> I, I thought he, yeah. My revelation made me icky. <laughs> so, uh, they moved away. They stopped meeting with us. We stopped meeting with them, and in that kind of a group, you just immediately, they become your enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, we lost about... Mm, Maybe 30% of our membership. A third of the host of heaven left. That's right. <laughs> They've been led astray by the adversary. <laughs> so by this time, this other group's got to basically be booking out of town because I don't think you'd be you'd feel welcome in the same area. I mean, yeah. well, right. I mean, like, you, yeah, was this a, a little town. neighborhood yeah. or a Very town? Very small town. Or, yeah. yeah. So they all moved out of town. They were like, so they left to go off and do their... Three and a bit. Yeah, Jim would call them the the independents. They were independent polygamists. Oh, they didn't hmm. need an organization. They could do it all on their own. That's that's weird that the word independent would be used as a pejorative. <laughs> yeah. Those <Right>. thinkers. <laughs> so let's talk about how God wants you to change your underwear. So <laughs> <laughs> the Mormon garment had been corrupted over the years. Mm-hmm. We had decided. Um, it's easy to go back into church history writings and find uh, drawings and descriptions of the Mormon garment and how yep. it had changed. The arms and legs had been shortened. The One of the marks had been flipped around backwards. For your non-Mormon yeah. listeners, do we need to explain what garments are? Sure. Jesus jammies. No. <laughs> 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 They're a protection and a... Protection and a... Shield. Thank you. So, uh, Joseph Smith had an angel come to him and tell him how to make this special underwear. <laughs> Was it Masonic? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, he yeah, copied the Masonic Masons. Symbols, yeah. Same, you know, the L and the V, mm-hmm. um, Liberty and Virtue. I don't know if mainstream Mormons Or the square and the that. compass. Right. Square, yeah. Right. Yeah. So the uh, the L had been turned the wrong way, so we made sure we turned it back the right way. And there was a, a gravestone in uh, Ephraim Cemetery, old, old gravestone, uh-huh. where they had the L and the V carved into the stone, and the L was the right way, like it was originally. Uh-huh. And the current Mormon church has it backwards. Uh-huh. So we started uh-huh. sewing our own garments, making them long, having... Um, Ties, three ties up the front, a collar, which represents the yoke, Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mark was really in the knee. Yeah. Mormon garments now are so short that the mark is, you know, halfway up your thigh. They're so mm-hmm. immodest. Yeah. <laughs> and the two-piece, that was kneecaps. just crazy. Ours, ours were one piece. So, well, well, that's how we... What were you, were you allowed... I mean, because I know that the doctrine on, at least in mainstream Mormonism, has changed on... <clears throat> when you're allowed to remove those? I mean, it used to be 
Oh, Almost we, never. Right. And they were, now it's like, eh, you know. They were very strict in the beginning, back in, you know, late 1800s. Probably for modesty or mm-hmm. or they thought it was really a protection. And what about for your group? Um, Oh, you could take them off for sex. Okay. Well, yeah, like the the modern LD- bathing. <clears throat> the mainstream LDS okay, church bathing. now, I think, says what well, you can take them off for, like bathing, swimming. Uh, I don't know if they say for for sexual relations, but I think oh, the I current Mormon do. garments, you'd pretty much have to, or it wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah, but you're supposed to wear them at all other oh. times. It always seemed weird to me that you can take them off for swimming because well, and for sports, yeah, yeah, basketball, yeah. Well, swimming is especially weird, though, because missionaries aren't allowed to swim whatsoever because Satan controls the water. Yeah, they're not supposed to go in the ocean. Yeah, that's not really the reason. That's, that's No, but I'm saying a court... Uh, well, but the scripture does say sta- Satan has dominion over the waters. That's yeah. true. That's just not why the missionary policy is there. Oh, why is that? Because if that were the case, then no member of the church could swim. Well, that's true. Yeah. Right. So it was because okay. they didn't want the missionaries being at pools with girls in bikinis. With missionaries uh, in swimming suits, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can't okay. see a lady missionary, you know. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah, that actually does make much more sense. Well, and and the garments have led to several innovative clothing and fashion statements here in the state of Utah. Mm-hmm. Oh, clothing oh, yes. choices. Right, like, specialized stores. Yeah, and, you know, you see women walking around wearing tank tops, but they have a t-shirt on they, under it. Yeah. So they've got their garments, and then a t-shirt, and then a tank top over the oh. top of that. In the middle of fucking summer... <laughs> it's just some of the it, some of it's so weird to me and strange and like give up yeah. give up go home what is the point of you being out here right now dressed like that just don't do that you're so wrong sorry that was my little rant so what about fly, <laughs> flying to the garden of eden flying to the garden of eden to jackson missouri you were going to fly to the garden oh, of yeah. eden didn't didn't you when or- uh the apostles went to the. Oh well, there were a couple of times well, when, when uh, Jeff and I took a vacation there the first year. Um, I think it was it was before uh, Amanda moved in with us. Uh, we went there just to see what it was like because that was a place we were all going to end up. Adam on diamond. So we. What is the significance of Jackson, Missouri? Jackson, Missouri is where. Um, well, it's where the Garden of Eden was, and in the future, it's where uh, Christ will return to. Hmm. And the yeah, uh, and so the yeah, millennium so the, uh, begins, and and we elect will live there. That Helios Church has so many after. crazy teachings. Like it's fun. I recently <laughs> i did a I did a whole Twitter thing talking about uh, the Book of Ether. And I just oh, yeah. I went through the Book of Ether and just tweeted out several little facts about all of the fun and cool things in the Book of Ether, <laughs> and like the guy named Moron. Yeah, there's <laughs> also a guy named Shiz <laughs> <laughs> and Nimrod and Nimrod. Nimrod. Yeah. <laughs> so the cool thing about the trip that, w- that just Jeff and I took was that. Um, no one was there. It was a weekday. We went down into where the church has the property and has a little monument. This is, this is where, um, who was it? The Brigham Young or somebody said this is where the Garden of Eden was. Maybe it was Joseph Smith. I think it was Joseph Smith, okay. yeah. 
Yeah, and he found a mound of rocks and said this was yeah. the altar that Adam prayed mm-hmm. on. And so we went there and we went into the woods and and prayed and asked for a sign to know whether what we had oh. gotten into was the right thing. You know, whether this true and living church group and nothing happened. So we walked back to the car and we started driving away and we were very disappointed that nothing happened. And a couple of minutes went by and Jeff looked off toward the West and the contrails in the sky had been blown into shapes of the letters L and V (laughs) and a straight line. So Liberty, Virtue, and a straight line was the mark over the navel, too, and on the knee. And also, we found out later, we took pictures of it. I had pictures for months. We showed everybody when we got back. They were all jealous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Look at these straight intersecting lines in the sky. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And what was cool was I had that, that tingly feeling you get. You know, that was explained to us. That was the Holy Ghost telling us that you're on the right path. Yeah, that this this was from God. What was interesting was I asked a woman early on why I got that same tingly feeling at a really scary part in a horror movie, <laughs> and of course the same answer: Oh, it's a counterfeit. You know, Satan is trying to get you. So how it wasn't Jesus just reassuring you. you that you were going to be okay. No. Because you could go either way on that one, Yeah, really. I think so. <laughs> and, and how do you tell the difference? Yeah. A situational, I suppose. I'm, well, I'm just saying from It their has per, to fit you know, your preconceived answer. Okay. That's how yeah. you tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's all, that ultimately that's what it is. But how does somebody who believes that actually, you know, like, do? I guess they're not asking themselves that question maybe, or they just already have the answer and then they make – the, the experiences fit, fit right. the answer they've already got, right. I guess, is what. Now, Jeff returned with Jim and the Apostles and had his calling and election made sure and met Jesus there at Adam on Diamond. Right. About a year or two later. Well, no, it was near the end. Um, we'd gone through uh, the green apron. We started having endowments. We started doing baptisms for the dead. We were just pretty much copying the Mormon church. Yeah, the green apron is part of the well, not the, the Mormon church garb, yeah. copying Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. I would yeah. say this whole thing sounds like a very real interpretation of the the scriptures. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's right. a different take, slightly, but it, but you could get that readily out of the books. Well, I think mm. pretty early on, Jim had decided that he was the reincarnated Joseph Smith. Okay, before he and then he let us tell him. That we'd gotten revelation that he was Joseph Smith. <laughs> when you were, uh, he would never when claim when you it. Hold your seances and, yeah. and talk to the dead. Yeah. So, so um, he certainly seems to have the modesty of Joseph Smith, right? <laughs> so later on, uh, the men um, needed to have their calling and elections, and this was a big deal. We all thought for sure they were going to see God this time. Mm-hmm. So they went back to Adam on Diamond, and. Um, we got a call that night. We were so excited. Amanda and I stayed up late, and Jeff called, and we said, "Did it happen? Did it happen?" You know, I was ready to hear some, you know, great story of this wonderful vision. And then he started to explain how um, they prayed and prayed, and Jim got the revelation that he had already received his calling and election, 
through the veil at some point. <laughs> and for- so he had the power to go ahead and give the rest of the men their white aprons, which the women had sewn ahead of time and and the guys had taken them with them. So at that point, I had another one of those, oh my gosh, this is all fake. <laughs> um, but this time that, it lasted longer. That urge to like, run? <laughs> yeah. I thought to myself, how convenient yeah. for Jim to not see some celestial being, some, you know, God, um, and say that he he found out he had the power and so he just did it. Mm. Was he was he requiring a ten percent membership fee like the LDS church does, Jim? Was there oh, a Oh we talked about that yeah, plus consecration. Yeah. You know, anything uh that you didn't need you would give to the church to Okay, so there's a huge there's a huge benefit for him to keep providing miracles and he never worked. Yeah. Okay. He lived on donations. Mm-hmm. As well as his son-in-law, who was uh, first counselor to him, and all of his wives. Well, no, the women had to work. The men lived on donations and were able to to uh, not have to leave. Hmm. Spend all their time doing church work. Do you? Did you get the <laughs> feeling that Jim really believed what he was saying and yes, preaching? Yes, I really do. Even still, I think he was. Um, that delusional? That delusional. And I'm looking at a picture of a current delusional LDS man. apostle. And, yeah. Well, because I, I, I wonder if, like, when you talk about when you're there and he's, he's, he's going there in anticipation for a vision of God to come down, everybody else will see this vision of God at the same time and it doesn't happen, that he always has, like, that backup plan in place where it's like, right. well, I, I thought it was going to happen, but it didn't, but I don't want to seem like a fake, so... Exactly. This, this, like, is, this is... What happens now? Like the four firemen that found the little girl in the overturned car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of them said, I heard a voice. Help us, help us. The other fireman, oh, yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, mm. yeah, I, I was part of that. I heard that. You know, oh, yeah. so it must have been an angel. No. He's not more special than I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now, yeah, my, my thought with that is because I'm a firefighter. I work with that kind of stuff. And it's if, if you show up, it, the first thing you're doing is going, oh, shit, there's a, there's a vehicle in the water. Someone had to have driven it in there. Most likely, there's someone in it. Let's get them help. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you'd have that it, going it, through your head. And it's, of course, it never, you know, the thought of checking the back seat never crosses your no, mind. No, you're right? checking everywhere. You're checking the front <laughs> seats. You're checking the back seats. You're trying to get into the vehicle, make access to it. There's it's, always a reasonable explanation. Yeah, and they make it sound like, oh, we heard a voice, so we rushed down there to see what was. No, that's what you're going to do, no matter what. You right. have a. Right. A possibility of a life in that vehicle, you're going to try to get to it. Even yeah, yeah. you don't call them dead till you can actually physically lay hands on the person and go, "Yes, the person's expired." <laughs> so in reality, we weren't that crazy in Manti because there's so many people in different religions besides Mormonism, oh, yeah. even that have all these ideas of supernatural. Oh, yeah. Things and mm-hmm. superstitions. Yeah, Mormonism doesn't own the copyright to crazy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. So this is one big superstitious seven years of my life. Yeah. Um, March 26, 2000. Oh. So we were all getting bored. <laughs> We'd been there for seven years. We'd done the polygamy. We Well, first we did the three, three in the bed and the polygamy, and we got into astronomy for a while. Astronomy um, or astrology? 
astronomy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It was, it was very scientific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jim, and you Jim can see the stars pretty well out there things. in that kind of... He bought a huge computerized telescope, took it to the top of the mountain. They had a big camp out and looked at the constellations. Huh. And hmm. I can't remember why the const. Well, there were signs. Signs in There's the heavens. There's sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that lasted for a while, keeping people <clears throat> occupied. Right. <laughs> it's always um, interesting the types of of proof you can have to justify your beliefs when you're looking for them. Right. Mm-hmm. I just I, the irony of chiropractors and reincarnated prophets liking science. That's just that's yeah. true. It <laughs> sounds weird to me, but <laughs> that's true. But but we uh, it, it led to that because. That seemed far-fetched to us, and anything that was far-fetched was interesting. Right, yeah. right, okay. So? So, he, he's studying the stars, or how did, how did March 26, 2000 come, come about? So, uh, people were getting bored. I think he had to keep us all going. Um, there was a lot of Y2K stuff mm-hmm. going on, because this was the millennium coming yep. up. And Jim was like, no. The end is not going to happen at the year 2000. That's too obvious. So uh, after the first of the year came and went, um, he decided finally that he was going to pick a date. (laughs) And he got revelation that it was March 25th or 26th. I can't remember which. And we were going to have a big... uh, So we sat around for months planning it and talking about it. And it's crazy to think about it now. Because all the, the food and all the food the prep. <laughs> that we had to get everything done on our side of the veil, the angels and the hosts of heaven were going to come with Jesus and they were going to bring. And they would be really hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we I've... were going to have a feast, the feast of the bridegroom. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jesus is the bridegroom, church was the bride. I've not eaten in 2,000 years, and boy, am I famished. <laughs> so, but, but what was interesting is also the, uh, the apocalyptic events would take place, too. So everybody who wasn't part of our elect group was going to be burned at his coming. Mm-hmm. So we would have... And you were excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like in the Ten Commandments the movie, ready. you watch when you're a kid, and you see that green smoke going around, and oh, everybody's yeah. screaming. Yeah, you know, because all the firstborn are dying, and hey, that's real. So why shouldn't yeah what we figured out be real? God is good. God is righteous. Yay! <laughs> so part of your preparation on we were going to take over the uh, well, we were going to get the tables from the stake centers because there'd be nobody to stop us. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have enough tablecloths, <laughs> so I had to buy like uh, twenty, thirty tablecloths from pennies. <laughs> They had my name on their mailing list for years and years. <laughs> and, this lady's into planning and needs to buy things. And I had been an interior designer for the LDS Church Temples Department mm-hmm. before I got married and got into this other crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know what they had on hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'd been through the Manti Temple before we were excommunicated. <laughs> and so I uh, offered to to help, you know get the decorations ready, other women got the food ready, other women got all our white temple clothes ready. And um, Elaine's wife and daughter went up from Manti to Costco and bought a whole bunch of food for this feast and 
we had to rent a refrigerator truck to hold it all Mm -hmm. the night before it was going to happen. And this refrigerator truck had to be parked in our driveway. That's what I was going to ask. How did your driveway get chosen? I'm not sure. (laughs) But I remember laying there all night hearing the hum of the refrigerator truck. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, waiting, hoping. So we had our big Holy of Holies. uh, No, not Holy of Holies. What do they call it when they have a big meeting? Solemn Assembly. Thank you. Um. Everybody in town started asking why we were all going to this store buying our little girl's white head uh, hair bows. And, oh, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, None of your goddamn business, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> well, that, that is true, too. Um, Jeff was working for a chiropractor up in Salt Lake at the time, and um, he found out from somebody he knew who knew somebody down there. And said, I understand you're going to have a solemn assembly this weekend. And, oh, no, no, we're just having a regular meeting. Anyway, so we ended up having like a, a three-day meeting. Uh, prayed a Whoa. lot, called God across the veil. Um, nothing happened. And that you knew of at the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that, so, that, that was my other note I put down. That's just <laughs> We had to distribute the food. To all of us, you know, the food was great. So everybody was excited about the food, even though they were disappointed that the world hadn't ended. Were there funeral potatoes? Oh. That would have been good. Oh, there were no funeral potatoes? Oh. oh. But we had... I'm so disappointed in you. You know, beef and pork and seafood and and fresh fruit. And Costco really did well that oh, yeah. week mm-hmm. in their sales. Mm-hmm. Best on record. Um, so, you know, the, after a two-day meeting, immediately um, Jim was freaked out. Everybody was freaked out that nothing happened. So one of the guys... Even Jim was freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, he was scared. Yeah. So one of the guys called him up and said, what about this idea of folding time? Ah, Jesus, the, like the a time pocket. bender. Yeah. And this guy happened to be really into Star Trek and those that, kinds of things. So. I was figuring the guy had to have been some sort of <laughs> time as a Kelsey. Well, and who was he really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. In his previous probations, his previous life lives, he had been Doctor Who. Isaac <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Isaac Newton. Oh yeah. Oh jeez. The only one I know about. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say Isaac from the Love Boat. Isaac Newton. <laughs> Jim had been everybody who was important every hundred years <laughs> or so, like like yeah. Joseph Smith, um, Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Uh, well, that's an interesting contrast since Franklin was almost certainly an atheist. Yeah. <laughs> and a bit of a pervert from what I hear. Franklin? Well, that would fit. It's <laughs> yeah, the atheism part. <laughs> so um, it, it didn't take very long for Jim to get a revelation that, yes, God had folded time. The world had come to an end. All that that we that he'd prophesied had taken place, and then time was folded back so that uh, we had hadn't. forgotten about it, and it hadn't happened. And he was nice but enough it, to it leave all happen, the food, but it hadn't happened. I still can't figure that one out. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's how if, we got out of it. Yeah, because how would how, how would he we know? got out of it? That's when we left. But he didn't oh, leave. That, that the food. was it. That they, was the they ate the food in the feast. But after folding time, the food was back again. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, come on, use your head. <laughs> Gosh, Ryan. So then, so then, how are you here today? If that's the case, I mean, wouldn't you just be caught in an infinite loop? If, I would if think you, so. Yeah, you go back. You know, let's say, I don't know, what three days or something. God comes, destroys the world. Then he folds time. Now you're back three days ago. Nothing happened. Then in three days, he's going to get right. So how how does he get out? Of, how do you guys get out of that loop? It was beyond me. Well, I think it's beyond everybody, but. <laughs> but it pacified everyone. Oh, that's amazing. Well, not so, everyone. No, not everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said this was basically. I have to was- admit, I did not. Um, I don't know what I was thinking about. I didn't really care at the time. I guess I was just disappointed. But Jeff started thinking out loud that um, this folding time thing is is BS, you know. Mm-hmm. He said that in front of one of Jim's wives. <gasps> Immediately, she went and told Jim. Clutched mm-hmm. her pearls, ran home. Yeah, and it was close to Sunday. So that next Sunday in church, Jim got up, and he, sometimes he would speak for three or four hours, and that would be our meeting. And so about an hour of that, he was blasting uh, anybody who didn't believe the folding time doctrine that he had just gotten. I think in the book you mentioned that it was clear he was talking about Jeff, yes. but he just he never mentioned right him by him. name. Yeah. And Jeff said he sat there and he thought, okay, you've never done this to me before. and You're being a dick, dude. Yeah. I'm, one of your I'm not going to take this. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, you know, this is it. I'm out of here. So um, we went for a walk couple days later and he told me what he was thinking and that it it just wasn't true it was an experiment that we'd tried and it didn't work so let's go back to the real world and i said oh but if you'd spent seven years in this experiment a long time <laughs> uh, yeah and i said well you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. and and jeff said there was no baby to begin with <laughs> so from apostle that, to apostate I thought that was profound like that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we quietly uh, packed up our stuff and humbly moved back into a rental home in Orem where we had lived before we went to Manti. Mm. And that was tough, Mm -hmm. right back in the middle of mainstream Mormonism. Right. Oh, that was really difficult. And, of course, Jim said, oh, you know, Jeff was one of my favorite apostles. He was like a son to me. I'll never say anything bad about him. Within a week, he'd cursed us to turn black because we had <laughs> we were going to you know become black, mm-hmm. uh, the seed of the, Cain, mm-hmm. and because we had turned away from the truth, which is also a Mormon curse, mm-hmm. mainstream Mormon mm-hmm. curse. Yeah, and um, you would no longer be white and delightsome. Oh, we would become perdition. But the cool thing is, I'm dating a hot black chick now. <laughs> 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 I'm colorblind, so I'll just have to take his word for it. <laughs> I wouldn't dare try to do an impression. <laughs> Don't worry, I try all the time and mess him up. <laughs> yeah, Ryan's, so Ryan's we went really on, good at trying impressions. We went on with our life. We had been interviewed many times promoting polygamy and what we were doing in Manti, and now we started being interviewed, um, like, talking it down, exposing it. Right. And that's when we got into the big-time uh, media. Oh, yeah. Like like polygamy specifically or the the 
fringe LDS. Uh, I think it was cultish thing. Was it? Was it? Because it is all about the sex, right? That's that's what right. people are interested it was in. That's all about what the sex. That's what really gets their gears Any going. Any reporters yeah. that came, whether we were promoting it or whether we were exposing it, always wanted to know about the three in a bed. You know, when did you have sex? Where did you Give have sex? Give us the juicy details. Exactly. So it sounded like Benjamin Franklin just then. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll. You no, know, she's not going to want this publicity. But anyway. Um, my husband's cousin had written a book, and she knew uh, a Mormon religion type book. Mm-hmm. She knew some reporters knew who she was because of her her book and her book or her brother. Did you say it was? Did you say it was, it was cousin? Jeff's, oh, cousin. Okay. So um, a magazine was going to come interview one of the uh, polygamous girls uh, from the group where the father was arrested for beating his daughter because she wouldn't obey him. Mm. I think that was one of the, it was either Colorado city or Hilda, wasn't it? She, she had escaped and she had escaped and it was a, it was a big national to do for a little while. They were a Salt Lake or an Ogden small. Yeah. This was like five, six years ago, maybe seven longer than that. Yeah. Well, I remember there was, well, there was a Ogden group that was all, that was all over the news for a while and that they had, but, I thought they had killed people. They might be not might not be the same one. I'm I'm thinking one that might have been back in the eighties that was it's been on a few shows talking about it where they were some religious wackos. Well this was no you're it was was there's lots of groups past present that are into this and it just amazes me. And they're doing the same things over again. Right. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like I could find some group now who's doing the same thing we did in Manti in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. They, you could probably still find them in Manti. Yeah. <laughs> but you were a counterfeit group. They're the real ones. Right. Mm. So we had, um, we got this interview with uh, Vogue. They were going to do this girl. She'd already promised to do another magazine. So we got to do this interview with Vogue. And then um, from that, uh, CNN program producer read that article and did an interview uh, for CNN, which was lots of fun. <laughs> and so, but that was the exposing of the polygamous. Yeah. And then PBS called us once after we'd moved away from Utah, and Jeff said, I've had enough. I, <laughs> I'm done. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm so done having over my name that. in the spotlight. <laughs> I need to get. Or associated with that group. Exactly. So what about polygamy? And then I wrote for... the book. Oh right. Well, yeah. <laughs> After That's... the divorce, I wrote, I the, wrote book, the book, and he's like, "Damn it!" Yeah, I still worry. And everyone should go buy it today, or tomorrow, or yesterday, whenever you're listening to this. Say that again, please. <laughs> buy the book. Yes, rush, rush out to where you yeah. can. It's available on it's Amazon. On Amazon. Yep. It's easy to find on Amazon, or we have our own website. You just Google my name. It's not about the sex, my ass. It's even easier well, if you got a Kindle. You yeah. know, if you if you Google it's not about the sex, my ass, you get sex and ass in the same uh, and oh. I got some weird emails. I bet. She's very popular in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Germany too, I would imagine. We look at the hits we get online and there are so many people who aren't getting what they think they're gonna get. <laughs> oh, <laughs> This isn't a picture nice. book. They just think it's a hot black woman. 
<laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yes. They Google sex and ass. And right. so up comes the title and they go there and, and they don't buy the book. I doubt they linger long. Oh, and the website is uh, it's not about the sex my ass dot com. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a great read. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a short book, but it's I mean, it's it's fun. It's funny. I like uh, I like the lighthearted approach you take to it, and and you mm-hmm. can and, and I'm sure that this you know looking back for quite some time was a fairly painful episode of your life, and it took many years. I think it was probably about when did we write the book. 2000 it came out about 3 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So it was about 4 years after I left Mantai. I met Steve a year after I left Mantai. No, 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 no. No, no we left Mantai in 2000. Anyway, a, a few years after I met Steve and we talked about it since he's such a great writer. Um and dang good looking, you forgot very, that. Very 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 <laughs> handsome. He said and so modest. Right. <laughs> the only way this book would work is if we made it funny, sarcastic. Yeah. There's I, too many I, other books out there that, you know, woe is me, I was a polygamous explore wife. Explore the darker There's side. obviously and, dozens and dozens, yeah. hundreds, yeah. thousands of ex-polygamist women yeah. around here. So I'm going to cue you up for something, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, because you were making uh, wisecracks here and there about those poor chiropractors. Now, about seven years after leaving the cult, Joanne and Jeff divorced, and that was when you got a zinger in that has to be aired here. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Quivering with anticipation. <laughs> She's looking like she doesn't want to say it, but either she can't remember to. or doesn't. Yeah. What is it? I'm I was one advantage of getting divorced that I said to Jeff was that. Now I don't have to defend chiropractic anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or polygamy yeah. or Mormonism. That'd be a real pain in the neck anyway. Yeah, oh. it was. <laughs> what, Dan? I, I, I was going to make some quip, and I can't remember exactly how the saying goes, so I'm not going to try and... Look Have like a spine, dude. Yeah, just say it. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll give you five bucks. You can go buy a spine. <laughs> well, something about getting your back out of joint or something. I don't no. know. No. But you yeah, know the effect right, this has on you. Neck in a twist. Even though you know they left the cult in two thousand, something brought it home to me when Jim Harmston died two years ago, and the effect that had on you. Oh, he's not around anymore. Hmm. Right, not in, not in this world. <laughs> no, yeah, Jeff. For another he'll be years. back as something else. Right. Yeah, Jeff texted me, or he called and left a message and said he had just found out from one of the other guys that had been in the group that Jim had died. And we had talked about it for years after we'd left. I'd talked about it, you know, after we divorced. And the day finally came. And it was late at night. I called uh, Tribune. I called the Tribune, gave them the tip. They called down there and got it confirmed. And um, he died of a heart attack, which... Was it while doing three in a bed? Tell me it was while doing three in a bed. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, They heard and buried him. He did die on Joseph Smith's birthday. No, it was was the day Joseph Smith was killed. Oh, even better. Oh, you mean murdered mercilessly. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and there were some people that thought that was... Was uh, uh, planned. Was significant. Mm-hmm. No, that they'd planned it. 
Oh. oh. To get more. Like, see, he really was Joseph Smith. Yeah, because he died on the That's same day. That's taking conspiracy the levels to a whole exactly. other level. Like, yeah. I'm going to plan my death to make sure that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> my the the group I founded like that's just but that was an emotional whammy for you it it was because yeah. it'd taken up seven years of my life there and then it pretty much I don't know prevented the divorce and caused the divorce both mm-hmm. um, and we were known for that for fifteen years of our lives our children grew up in it mm-hmm. my children. Some of them more than others are messed up because of it. <laughs> so, I won't name any names. So but. that was so. So Steve said this, this was a big emotional blow for you, and, and you agree with that. What what kind of emotions were you feeling? Well, at I the remember time? when I was talking to the the reporter, he started asking me questions about it, and and I said, um, you know, I'm glad now that the cult will probably break up because mm-hmm. it was so horrible for people psychologically. Well, and he had started it, it was centered around him, so... Right, and now he was gone, and so I would hope that it would fade away. Um, but then I said, while we were there, those seven years, those people were our best friends. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we loved each other and respected each other, and, and we had a great time. There was always party going on yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know good clean fun <laughs> no alcohol right no no uh well real wine with the sacrament oh okay that was about it but who needs alcohol when you've got plural wives and <laughs> hot, hey, you're just hot and cold hot and cold running women <laughs> so how much better is life now that you're a jehovah's witness <laughs> 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 I was I was very bitter for years. Mm-hmm. People, Just to be clear, you're, would, you're not a Jehovah's Witness. No, no, I'm I'm an atheist. <gasps> and, and I'm, I'm curious about that transformation. But go ahead with. Well, it wasn't hard. Yeah. Um, in fact, the night we were walking and said, you know, can't throw the baby out mm. with the bathwater if there's no baby to begin with. We also talked about how. Since we'd been taught that the Mormon church was the one and only true church, which was a big deal back in the 60s and 70s when I was growing up, that Mm -hmm. was, you know, the thing that was believed. And if that was true, then none of the other churches were true, Mm -hmm. which Joseph Smith was told by God, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. So why go to any church? Yeah. Can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But speaking of babies, I remember a story about a manger. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> so if if uh, the Mormon Church was false, which we believed after moving to Manti, bumping everything. <laughs> then why go back to any religion at all? Mm-hmm. So then we started reading those horrible. Uh, Articles and magazines like uh, Skeptical Inquirer and mm-hmm. and all that good stuff and those independent people again. <laughs> yes. Well, in that new prophet you discovered, George Carlin. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I watched George Carlin on TV. We got we got uh, cable, mm. and so I watched George Carlin, and it was. A spiritual experience (laughs) (laughs) to hear him saying things that were just so clear after all the crap that I Mm -hmm. had believed, you know. 
Um, He's so irreverent, though. Yeah, it was great. Like, um, did you feel like the the Holy Spirit was was making you tingle and stuff listening to him? No, no. You know nope. what's weird? That stopped immediately. Oh, yeah. really? And I thought it was because I had lost the spirit. Maybe I mm-hmm. really had turned my back on something real. And then I realized, no, you can fabricate that so easily. Mm-hmm. You can get it in a scary movie. Mm-hmm. You can Rock get concert. It, you know, when you feel really emotional about something, you'll get you'll get those yeah. nerve endings going, and, yeah. and that's all that it was. That's all that it was the whole time. Yeah. So, um, but um, I think George Carlin said something about uh, uh, Mary, mother of Jesus. Um, maybe the story was that she just got knocked up by her boyfriend, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that was how they covered it up. Yeah. And I, I, it was an epiphany for me. <laughs> wow. That makes more sense than everything I'd ever learned. <laughs> or she cheated on Joseph and she was scared to admit it. So Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, and she, I thought of all that, the 14-year-old girls it. nowadays who are pregnant, you know, could easily say, oh, God came to me during the night and his spirit came over me. and Yeah. I can yeah. either be yeah. stoned to death or bear the son of God. Right. Hmm. <laughs> Let me think about that one for a minute. Yeah, I mean, assuming that event happened at all. Right. But, but yeah. Yeah. It's just this the the almost every religion's disdain for women and their and their genitals is why you know you have to avoid that whole thing. Like Buddha was born through a slit in his mother's side, and oh, wow. all this stuff. Like you just, it's just. Right, that's the whole thing. That's how they. That's just how they. All it's all over all the doctrines, and it's so stupid. Yeah, that was nothing personal. I was gonna. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've been out of this now for how long? What what year did you say you left? Well, we left Manti in two thousand. So fifteen years now. July of two thousand. It was about four months after the fold of time. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) when Jesus came, but didn't. And how are things between you and Jeff now? Are you on speaking terms, friendly? Yeah, we're friendly. I mean, you're you're, he, you're he's remarried and and lives elsewhere. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. He doesn't. Uh, he was going to write a book. <clears throat> oh yeah, I, I he he never got around to it. So oh. I I did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, I I really really enjoy the book. I've read it twice now, and it's just it's it's fun. Uh, one of my favorite parts of it is, and we talked about it a little bit, but is in traveling around the country and and cursing all of these different spots. Right. Um, how many how many locations did they end up actually visiting throughout this? Well, they had to hit little sojourn every state capital. So there was four groups of three of them. They had to hit every state capital and every Mormon temple. And Jeff and the two men with him went up to New England because I wanted them to go to New England because I lived <laughs> in Maine and I thought that would be neat. <laughs> it would so it would Send be so neat pictures. for you to travel to Maine and curse the temple where <laughs> I was born. <laughs> so they even went over into Canada and, and got to Toronto. So was this did they only Toronto? do this did they only do this in the in the US and uh, and Canada? Right. They didn't travel abroad to... No, no one guy, uh, to save money, one of the three flew to Hawaii and took care of Hawaii. 
And I think that same one went up to Alaska. So and just just the, the United States. United States. And none of them got arrested or kicked for out. Destruction. They never were spotted. It was a miracle. <laughs> and they did it in full temple garb. They would they would hide by behind some trees, change into their white temple robes and baker's hats and white aprons. <laughs> the- the the temple uniform is just it's comical. Every time I see somebody, you know, I'll, I'll run across a picture of a, of somebody wearing it, and I'm like, "You look so silly." <laughs> well, that's Masonic too, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, very. Yeah. Yeah, they look just as dumb, but yeah, it's really weird. They're not comfortable either. Yeah, I, I wanted to find so. one for a Halloween costume, but Good no luck. luck. There was no no luck there. It's not popular enough for a Halloween costume. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't think you'd get much candy, bro. No, but <laughs> parties would be fun. There, yeah, are, there are several buildings around which, if you choose to visit them once a week for the next while. Yeah, but I got to pay them, though. It, that is part of the deal. Yeah. I yeah. could make one for you. I have the <laughs> patterns. Oh, the, oh, that. <laughs> that would be so awesome. That would be. <laughs> I, I sewed up slippers for our uh, solemn assembly. Because everybody needed new slippers, and I did pair after pair after pair, and they had to have a certain amount of pleats down the side to yep. represent the apostles, and Th- that, that would be awesome. You know what we that should do? We awesome. should get some and wear them to Pride this year. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, man. <laughs> wear them to Pride, oh, but we got to have a scarlet oh, letter man. A on it, too, though, <laughs> to let them know, hey, we... <laughs> I, I think either way, dude. I, I think either way. I mean, because without that, their first thought is like, are those members that are doing what is going on? Like, yeah, that would be, let's do that. Either, either, <laughs> either are those members or did you open a restaurant? Is it, yeah. is it a you, uh, good place? You, you cater in pride this year? <laughs> uh, why do they have the bakers walking with all of the atheists? I don't understand that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they would recognize it. So, uh, so you said that your, your deconversion from, you know, super Mormon to to atheist was was pretty much instantaneous, almost right. That yeah, about as fast as it could go without mm. my head exploding. I yeah. think yeah, so I, think- and I I think we run into that here in Utah a lot because you know everybody who is LDS once once they figure out that it's that it's bullshit, it's really hard for them to look at any other religion and go hmm, maybe they've got a point. Because the LDS Church has basically just taken other Christian doctrines and added things on top of it, right? So once you believe in something that is that is built on this foundation and has added layers of crazy, and then you don't believe in that anymore, you can look at the other things and go, well, they're not even as complete as the church I just left. How could mm-hmm. they? Well, another factor is they don't do it so much anymore, but 30, 40 years ago, Part of becoming converted to Mormonism included lessons on what was wrong with all the other churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's true. And some of the crazy you're talking about that was added um, by Joseph Smith and stuff includes some things that are present in Islam. Mm-hmm. So there's even elements there. Well, polygamy, uh, pedophilia, all that kind of stuff, underage women. That was Muhammad did the, all that stuff. Yeah, there's, there are a lot of parallels. I think we've talked about doing You're giving a, me an odd look. Scary people. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't think Joseph Smith was much better. No. No, That's yeah. True. I think he was a horrible human being. 
Yeah. He may not have been a murderer like Muhammad was, but... Megalomaniac. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, for Definitely. Sure. And, yeah. and mental problems, both of them. Mm-hmm. Peace be upon him. <laughs> no, no, just imagine problems for that crazy fucker. Peace be upon him. Predicted the end times and had everybody come out and, you know, went to Costco and had a refrigerator <laughs> truck filled with food and, and told all of his members that, you know, God folded time for him. Right. I, I guarantee Mormonism would have been dead right then. Uh, I don't know. That, don't with know, all man. the crazy that, that was baked into the church yeah, from its, I don't think from it's, its too foundations. Much from and, the crazy that he, I don't know. Even talking about folding time pre Star Trek. I mean, he. <laughs> well, maybe. You know, there, there were a lot of things he did that he kind of tried to ease people into it, but it's still yeah. handing them a fucking bucket of crazy and going, drink this stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and that's a sign of someone. Well, in the book, we've got Stephen Novella. And his uh, cult, cult demarcation problem. Problem. It's the, one of the appendices in the book where he right. talks about and the characteristics about, of cults. Yeah. Oh. And uh, one thing I noticed Jim would do uh, would say he put something out on the table and what if you know and oh. if the people responded if the church responded oh, okay. with like oh yeah that's a cool idea then you'd start getting revelation about it. But if they didn't like it, then he'd drop it. That's a that's a technique that psychics use called shotgunning. Oh. You just throw out a whole bunch of options and then however they respond. Right. Then you go with that. And people will forget that you ever meant you brought up anything else. They just it's confirmation bias. You just remember the hits. Uh so that's interesting. But he probably yeah, you remember the amazing things and forget all the other shit that they mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's funny. So <clears throat> You're an atheist now, and I, you know, in in leading up to the show and, and different things, I always, I, I always wonder, like, should I tag Joanne in this? Like, I don't know how does how does the rest of your family feel about the book and you're being an atheist and falling away. I I think they're they're sad. Sure, because they're not going to get to spend eternity with you, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But Which, they're still kind. My parents were so open-minded for being strict LDS people. They yeah. would come and visit us, bring our kids presents every year for their birthday, for Christmas. Were they aware of all of the crazy that was going on? I mean, did you did you remain in, in good communication with them, or were they, um, or did they just know they they have it, some it crazy was a thoughts big, and a gossip topic for. Our, Anybody who knew anybody down there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you said it was quite well, a bit of media there, too. Yeah, so, was, yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it'd be something that'd be kind of hard to hide, it seems well, like. I had a friend yeah. that came to visit me once, um, and we'd been down there probably three or four years. Saw you on she the news. No, she didn't know a thing about what we were doing. <laughs> really? Hmm. And I said, Didn't you see us on the news? No. Didn't you read us about the news? You paper? were on the news? No. And then I had to take her in the house and introduce her to Amanda. <laughs> this is my sister she, wife Amanda. She just she just played it really cool. I don't know what happened after she left. She probably got really scared on her way home. But <laughs> she she hadn't heard a thing about it. Wow, that's weird. But when Joanna and her family traveled north from Manti, your parents would have you and Amanda to dinner. Yeah, they mm-hmm. were amazing. They were good people. They were really nervous one time though, when Jim and his wife Karen stopped by their house in Orem. I was there, and 
<laughs> yeah, they came by. We were I was helping them pick out some carpeting for something. You were helping Jim and his wife? Yeah. And so they stopped at my parents' house in Orem and and I think my dad was very disgusted. This is the cult leader himself. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And are your parents still around? My father passed away just six months ago. Yeah. And my mom just moved in with me today. Oh, oh nice. nice. So Congrats. Get to take care of her now. Yeah. <laughs> are there any interesting stories that were not in the book that didn't make the cut? Oh, let's see. Not to put you on the spot too much. The, Seven years are crazy. I'm sure there's <laughs> oh, yeah. a whole lot. There it's, were some, first thing that comes to my mind were some pretty weird ordinances that Elaine, Jim's wife, would make up. A lot of the women would make up the weird stuff. <laughs> okay. Really, seriously. They were much more weird. And some of them would try to top each other as oh. far as weirdness. <laughs> but um, I can make them do more crazy things than you can make them do. Yeah. So there were um, some pretty weird variations on washing and anointing. Mm-hmm. Um which is a temple. temple yeah. Uh, let's see. Flying, flying in the little airplane over the valley, anointing it. That made the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, you anointed your house and yard. Yeah. With oil. Hmm. I know that the mainstream Mormon church does priesthood blessings on houses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After you move into your house, yep. you bless it. Yep. Oh. So what is the, what is this anointing you speak of? Flying around in a plane where you just sprinkling oil out the window? Yeah, or, consecrated yeah. oil. Yeah. Well, they would really buy were. gallons and gallons, you know, in those Get a, get a crop duster. <laughs> it was a, a, a Cessna. <laughs> People wow. standing around outside going, why am I suddenly so greasy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything is shiny. <laughs> and Preparing um, the world to fry. One oh. of the things they did uh, at first was they got in the well they hiked up to the top of Ensign Peak. I don't know, is that in the book? Yeah, I think it was. I think okay. I remember you writing about that. And changed into their temple robes and took turns uh cursing the Mormon church and and different people and places for destruction. I can only imagine other hikers that might have came up that day and were past mine going, oh, this is weird. Yeah, or saw them from afar and <laughs> yeah. turned around really quick. I would turn around. Do they, did they, were they able to recognize the similarities between your beliefs and the mainstream LDS beliefs? I mean, it seems like there's like a little bit of a rivalry, even though all the other Mormons didn't know about it. Just within your group, though, like there was this disdain for the mainstream church. Oh, very much so. Most Even of, though they're so damn similar. Yeah. One reporter or critic said if if Jim didn't have the Mormon church to bash, he wouldn't have a church at all. Jim mm-hmm. wouldn't have a church. Right. We wouldn't be a group because all we did was bash the Mormon church. So interesting, how uh, Which is weird yet, because we followed you're... The the fundamentals yeah, yeah. of what Joseph Smith, right? Much more, much more closely following all of the tenets and and the scripture and doctrine than than the mainstream LDS church. But you're the fringe. Yeah, we got in trouble for mm-hmm. or criticized for buying the full set of uh, books that are called um, 
Journal of Discourses. Journal of Discourses. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of weird stuff in yeah, that. Yeah, there are. A Some lot of, of those speeches that those early prophets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it, talking about the fundamentals or, or fundamentalism, it always seems weird to me that, you know, the, the LDS Church can say that any of the splinter groups who are practicing the faith more fully than the mainstream LDS Church, they're the cults, they're the weirdos. We we're we've separated ourselves more from from the core tenets and fundamentals of our religion, mm-hmm. but we're mainstream. Mm-hmm. That's always seemed really weird. Like, who's to say that Warren Jeffs isn't the one and true prophet? You know that it it is bullshit hypocrisy. Well, it's it's the same way that other Protestants look at Westboro Baptist. It's the same way that uh, moderate yep. Muslims look at ISIS. Yep. Um, those those groups. Like it, it's weird to say that in this case the mainstream Mormon church is a moderate, but <laughs> uh, yeah. but that's exactly what's going on. Like Westboro, ISIS, you guys, Jeffs, those you know they're they're following the books much much better than mm-hmm. these other. But that's also why it's harder to get off the ground. Um, Westboro is a small, you know, you guys were small, but um, eventually yeah, that, the one charismatic leader is going to die and. It's going to fall apart. Unfortunately, when Joseph Smith died, it kept going. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to say you hope that happens, but with I think with the mainstream Mormon church, they were sort of socially forced to modify and evolve. And because they did that, they've become large. But who knows? It's scary. It scares me. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, and it, it, it brings me to the, to the article that I had up here that Joanne had mentioned earlier with... Uh, LDS Church Apostle uh, giving an interview to local uh, television channel 4 here, KUTV News, and saying that, you know, the the LDS Church's evolution, which is funny, on LGBT issues, uh, says members' politics may differ from doctrine, which, you know, they've kind of of buried the, the story in the headline here where... You know, th- this is uh, Elder D. Todd Christofferson, who's a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and he said that the the new uh, Senate Bill 296, which was recently passed here in Utah, that offers some modicum of, of uh, protection for Utah's LGBT community in hiring practices and in housing and things like that, that, you know, his, the quote from him was that people are people and they they all deserve to be respected and honored and have their privileges as everyone else does in our society. Um bullshit. And all bullshit on that. And it ends there in the story that 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 little quote from him, but he continues later in the interview to say, you know, that he's asked if uh the LDS church will will ever modify its stance on same-sex marriage. And he goes on to say that uh, that's such a fundamental aspect of what we see as the purpose of life. Marriage between a man and a woman and the family that grows out of that. All of that is so fundamental to what has happened, what needs to happen here and what comes hereafter, that without it, it falls apart. And when pressed on whether he's leaving any room for the movement in the future, Christofferson simply said no. So on the one hand, he's saying that people <sighs> should be treated equally and have the same rights as everybody else, except for marriage, because fuck that. Yeah. That's where I have to draw the line and say that they can't be treated equally. Yep, just like they said with blacks. So nothing's changed. Not really. Yeah. No. 
No, ex- well, except, something has changed. Except you they can have no longer freedom. discriminate unless you blame it on your religion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They have more freedom now. Yeah, I can I can hide the I can hide behind the shield of my religion, and and be a bigot as long as the the religion is the shield that I. So using. what it is is anti atheist legislation because you guys can't discriminate. Yeah, because we don't really have a religion. Right. Yeah. I want to discriminate. Well, we, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to be a bigot too. Come on. Looks so much fun. <laughs> they get they get all the fun things. Well, how does that work then with First Amendment rights? Because atheism is protected under the freedom uh, freedom to freedom of religion. Yeah. Well, be, even though it's not. Well, and, and in that you can't have freedom of religion without freedom from right. religion, too, right? Right. So. Yes. Well, the First Amendment has to do with government discrimination. It has nothing to do with anybody else's choice to discriminate. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So nothing. Has nothing to do with that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, damn it. <laughs> well, there was recently, uh, I think it was South Carolina that had passed the law basically saying, yeah, if a business wants to discriminate, they can discriminate. So one of the other senators said, well, if you want to be able to discriminate, you should have to post a sign saying who you will not serve. I yeah. believe that's Oklahoma. Was it Oklahoma that did that? So. Yeah. It's like, and it's brilliant. Do it because that just basically gives everyone else the opportunity to go. Okay, you won't serve gays, you won't serve yeah, so blacks. Let's, let's you just won't move serve back atheists. to the fifties when they used to post, or even any time before that's, that. That's you exactly know, what. No it is. Irish here. Colored drinking yep, fountains. Whites only. Well, yeah, it's let's, exact same bullshit. Well, and they're they're trying to pass this legislation in an effort to basically say if you're a bigot, you should be fucking open and honest about yeah. it. So that people don't waste their time with your shitty business. Exactly. We don't want people walking into your business and, and trying to get help or services from you if you're an asshole. So if you're an asshole, post on the front door that you're an yeah. asshole. Mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was a particularly good bit of legislation or proposed oh, legislation yeah. that Yeah, it would it, it would make people it would make it would make those businesses and their beliefs much more transparent so that people didn't waste their time with them. And hopefully they would go out of business I very suppose. soon. I don't like agreeing with that, but well, yeah. I mean, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's you know, and it's 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 time appropriate, right? I mean, had this gone on in the fifties or sixties, all the people who were bigots would be like, "Fuck yeah, I'll post that in the window. That's fine. That's great. That'll be great." Because most people agree with me, and and all of my white customers will feel much more welcome. Now that that's become more socially unacceptable, it's. It, it would be problematic for them to do so, which is a good thing. I mean, we've we've made that progress to where now, if they were to post such a sign, they would lose a ton of business, which is good. Where yeah, maybe not where, in Oklahoma, where in the forties, fifties, sixties, that wouldn't have necessarily been the case. Well, I just hope it also goes to point out that law is complete bullshit. Them going well, oh, but we don't want to post a sign saying that we're discriminatory. Like, yeah. well, then don't fucking be discriminatory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. We we want to discriminate, but we don't want to have to tell yeah, everybody about it. We'd like to keep that on the down low. I want to tell it to their face when they ask for a cake. <laughs> <laughs> so have you guys got any other newsy things? I didn't really grab mm-hmm. a whole... I was quite busy this past week, and I figured we'd had a good lot here. And Matt's yeah. always so well prepared, so I was relying on him tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I thought it went well. Yeah. No, I did too. Thank you guys so much for coming out tonight. Is there anything else that you would like to let us know about? Any other plans in the works? I I know I asked you pre-podcast if you were planning on doing a sequel or another book, and that was that was kind of said no, not really. 
I said I would have to join another cult before <laughs> I'd be right. able to write another <laughs> story like this. That's right. That was golden. I, I, My life before and after has been very boring. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> I, I am in the business of painting pet portraits. Yes. Which she's remarkable at. So that's a, a normal activity. Where can people go to find out more about that? MonaLassie.com. Mona Lassie, ah. like the dog Lassie. Yeah. And the painting. And the Mona Lisa. Lisa. Yes. Get it? Yes. Clever. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Joanna's immensely, atal- immensely talented. Amazing yes. painter, amazing artist. Yeah, that mm-hmm. uh, the business card that you gave Dan earlier, it does look looks like a photo. Photographic. Yeah. And and one thing is think of how much better I'd be if I hadn't wasted all this time <laughs> in the Mormon church, in a Mormon-based polygamous cult, you know. Well, but you wouldn't know how to wasting make slippers. time and money. That's true. Do you, ever, do you ever look? Do you ever look back on that portion of your life and think and what think a, about how much that stunted you yes. as an individual for all of those years? That yeah, and the like whole said, idea how, of um, there being a life after death is ruining this life because yep. I saw people in our group who were looking forward. To dying because they thought it was going to be so much better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, they didn't do anything with their life because they were preparing for some fantasy afterlife. Mm-hmm. That's what's so terrifying to me about all the all the religious movements, especially fundamentalist ones, is that this earth, this life is just wiping your feet on the doormat before you get to the, the exactly. lightning round, you mm-hmm. know. And they're willing to die and kill for that. And that's terrifying. It is. Because now, to me, when someone dies, it is so permanent. Oh, yeah. You, know, you, yep. can't, you can't even wrap your mind around it. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, you just stop existing. Well, but, yeah. So so on the flip side of that is, you know, you, you I'm sure, well, and you, and you just said, yeah, you feel like you've you wasted, you know, the, the, all those years of your life. But at the same time, you've now learned how precious this one life is and... I'm sure that's helped quite a bit since then to to let you know oh, definitely. I need to make the I need to make the most of the time that I have here on earth right. because there is no afterlife there is no mansion in the sky worshiping some invisible sky wizard right if you're going to have fun you better well it, I was taught growing up that eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die mm-hmm. is a horrible thing yep. to think and now it's the best thing to yeah. think <laughs> it's my motto <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. What are you pointing at, Ryan? I was pointing at you to bring up the Google page because I, I, I put something there to play us out on when we get ready to oh. go off. Oh, real quick. So, Steve, you and I were chatting one day on PM, our private messaging on Facebook, and I mentioned something about the LDS Church's nonprofit status or something, and you... Oh, you had said it was a 501c3. Yes. And it is not. It's a corporation's soul. Mm. A corporation's soul. So how does that – do you know how that all works necessarily? I'm I mean, not real clear a, on it, and it's been a while since I read about it. Yeah. But it is a corporation that consists of one person who is the president of the church. There, Technically, there is no church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as a legal entity. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you've got two corporations, the corporation of the president and the corporation of the presiding bishopric. I don't know much about the corporation of the presiding bishopric. But the corporation of the president of the church is the corporation's soul. So all of the church holdings, properties, all businesses, of the assets, everything, yeah. those 
really are under the control of Thomas S. Monson, and when he dies, they go to his successor. There's one person over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's probably neither here nor there in terms of the validity of the church. It's just an interesting organizational thing. And as I understand it, it came about after uh, the government way back in the late 19th century was seizing church properties to get them to quit polygamy. And so you know, Joseph Smith didn't start a legal entity. The church became a legal entity yeah. later. Uh, that was revoked in the polygamy days, and then when it reemerged, it was a corporation's soul. Yeah, hmm. Joseph Smith didn't do anything illegally, but I, that may that may the tax situation may be significant on endorsing can, public candidates. However, because a five hundred one c three cannot do that, so uh, but if, maybe a corporation's soul can. Maybe, maybe, maybe under under uh, super PACs and stuff, they 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 would have obviously they'd have those legal limits, but perhaps they could. Now, I've got something. I've been trying to read, Dan, your T-shirt all night, but your beard's in the way. And it looks like it's cool. What is that? Oh, this is this is for – I'll give a little shout-out to, to Mark Nebo and uh, R&R for the podcast that they do, the Ramen podcast. Oh, okay. So this is just – yeah. I really haven't been podcast. staring at your chest all night. <laughs> <laughs> My big barrel chest. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's just for their podcast. They They were selling shirts when they – Started up a little bit ago, and I bought a couple of them. Cool. Who's, who's Aaron Ra? And I wear. <laughs> who's that? That's a strange name. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Aaron and Mark both at the uh, American Atheist Convention in just a couple weeks mm-hmm. from now. In, so, in Joanne, Memphis? the name of the book is and the website to buy it. Yes. It's not about the sex, my ass. Great book. Which is, which is awesome. everybody go buy it right now. Just put a and it's not about the sex my ass dot com. and you'll get to it. <laughs> and you can also find uh, Joanne's artwork at monalassi.com. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed by your business card. Like that's why I had to yeah. ask: is this a is this a picture of your dog, or did you paint that? And it turns out you actually painted it. That was... uh, I think portraits uh, are better liked if they're more realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Who wants a Picasso of your dog? <laughs> Right. Why is your dog all melty? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much for joining us this evening. It's been a pleasure having you guys on the show. Very Absolutely. enjoyable. Thank As you. always, I, I'm sure I'll see you guys around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to The Godless Revolution, everybody. If Bye you have now. any questions, comments, show suggestions, critiques, you want to tell me to go fuck myself? Send us an email at Godless Revolution. Yeah. Send those to Dan's personal email. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for that hate mail. <laughs> Send it to us at GodlessRevolution at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Facebook. Also, you can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or directly from Podbean, Podbean mm-hmm. at GodlessRevolution.podbean.com. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. But you know, the longer you listen to this abortion debate, the more you hear this phrase, sanctity of life. You've heard that, sanctity of life. You believe in it? Personally, I think it's a bunch of shit. (laughs) Well, I mean, life is sacred? Who said so? God? Hey, if you read history, you realize that God is one of the leading causes of death. (laughs) Has been for thousands of years. Hindus, Muslims, Jews, Christians all taking turns killing each other because God told them it was a good idea. (laughs) The sword of God, the blood of the lamb, vengeance is mine. Millions of dead motherfuckers. (laughs) Millions of dead motherfuckers all because they gave the wrong answer to the God question. 
You believe in God? No. <clears throat> Dead. You believe in God? Yes. You believe in my God? No. <clears throat> Dead. My God has a bigger dick than your God. Thousands of years. Thousands of years. And all the best wars, too. The bloodiest, most brutal wars fought, all based on religious hatred. Which is fine with me. Hey, anytime a bunch of holy people want to kill each other, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> but don't be giving me all this shit about the sanctity of life. I mean, even if there were such a thing, I don't think it's something you can blame on God. Now, you know where the sanctity of life came from? We made it up. You know why? Because we're alive. <laughs> Self-interest. Living people have a strong interest in promoting the idea that somehow life is sacred. You don't see Abbott and Costello running around talking about this shit, do you? We're not hearing a whole lot from Mussolini on the subject. What's the latest from JFK? Not a goddamn thing. Because JFK, Mussolini, and Abbott and Costello are fucking dead. They're fucking dead. And dead people give less than a shit about the sanctity of life. Only living people care about it, so the whole thing grows out of a completely biased point of view. It's a self-serving, man-made bullshit story. It's one of these things we tell ourselves so we'll feel noble. Life is sacred. Makes you feel noble. Well, let me ask you this. If everything that ever lived is dead, and everything alive is going to die, where does the sacred part come in? I'm having trouble with that. Because, I mean, even with this stuff we preach about the sanctity of life, we don't practice it. We don't practice it. Look at what we kill. Mosquitoes and flies, because they're pests. Lions and tigers, because it's fun. Chickens and pigs, because we're hungry. Pheasants and quails, because it's fun. And we're hungry. And people, we kill people, because they're pests. And it's fun. And you might have noticed something else. The sanctity of life doesn't seem to apply to cancer cells, does it? You rarely see a bumper sticker that says, save the tumors. Or I break for advanced melanoma. Ah, viruses, mold, mildew, maggots, fungus, weeds, E. coli, bacteria, the crabs... Nothing sacred about those things. So at best, the sanctity of life is kind of a selective thing. We get to choose which forms of life we feel are sacred, and we get to kill the rest. Pretty neat deal, huh? You know how we got it? We made the whole fucking thing up!